This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. While our team of tax pros are well-versed in all things tax, our areas of expertise include rental real estate and equity compensation. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. At Capital Area Tax Consultants, we believe in pricing transparency and flat fees. Before engaging with us, you'll receive an upfront quote in black and white with a description of any services to be performed. This way, there are no hidden surprises. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com. Welcome to the Tech Money Podcast, where the worlds of technology and personal finance collide. Hosted by certified financial planner, speaker, blogger, and self-proclaimed personal finance nerd, Malcolm Etheridge. Each episode aims to make you just a little bit smarter about your money, all from the perspective of the tech professional. Without further delay, here's your host. Hey there, listeners. Malcolm here. And on today's show, we're talking career development. More specifically, we're talking about the steps currently being taken to diversify corporate boards and the executive ranks in technology. A while back, I wrote a blog post about what to do when you turn 50 and realize you're behind on your retirement savings. And in it, I suggested that people in that position consider board work as a serious option. Similar to the idea of leveraging one's expertise to become a consultant, board membership offers a high impact way to leverage your unique skill set and experience while working on a flexible basis. Tech companies of all sizes need board members with proven ex- expertise, starting, running, and growing successful businesses. And it's no secret that the founders, executives, investors, early stage employees, and the board members at tech companies have some of the greatest opportunities to generate wealth for themselves and impact society. However, many of the comments I received on that particular post were something like, This sounds great in theory, but where are those opportunities really? And that's because these positions are still overwhelmingly held by people who share a single racial and ethnic background and are usually all of the same gender as well. Even though there is ample evidence that companies with diverse executive teams and boards often perform better than those without. So even though this is a topic that I'm obviously extremely passionate about and would love to see significant progress being made sooner than later, I am by no means an expert here. So I decided to call up someone who is. Clinton Browning's 25 plus year career in search started at Corn Ferry, where he helped develop and scale their diversity practice globally. In addition, he is a serial entrepreneur, having founded two boutique search firms himself. Clint is currently a partner at the technology executive search firm, Diversa, where he is responsible for leading the firm's business unit dedicated to ensuring there is black representation on the boards and executive teams of the most important companies and investment firms in technology today. So with that brief introduction, welcome Clint to the Tech Money Podcast. Malcolm, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. So I tell you what, to get us kicked off here, Clint, I breezed through your resume pretty quickly in my intro. What else should I have included? Uh, Well, first and foremost, I am... uh a married, proud father of four. 
my wife, Jana, and my children are my reason and my everything, number one. Number two, uh, I am an unabashed uh, person as it relates to being blatantly inclusive and brutally intentional when it aligns with making things right, getting things right. And, and it's been a beautiful partnership because that's how Diverse Partners and Dreamscape does business. Um, I am very intentional about making sure that we are collectively pushing for change where and when you see something is wrong. And so the points that you made in the opening uh, were beyond spot on. Uh, I'm not in the business of, uh, you know, storming Capitol buildings, but I am in the business of <laughs> raging against the machine. Uh, I'm unafraid to say the tough things that need to be said in rooms where they normally are not stated. Um, and that really comes from a background that uh, was founded uh, in the following way. Um, the tipping point for my family is that I am the grandson of a man uh, in middle Georgia who saw his grandfather hang from a tree. And the outcome for that little black boy in Albany, Georgia, was that he decided that he would get out of that town and he would make good on doing something more than just being another black boy in that small town. Uh, he made his way to Morehouse College and then on to Howard University Dental School. And while that would sound like a story that is uh, sad and, and uh, painful, uh, it really became a springboard for our family. It was kind of like, um, we will be different and we will impact those around us in a way that we can make a difference. And so I find myself here with Diversa Partners in a situation where I get to be in rooms um, and helping make decisions about hiring that uh, historically we have not. And, and therefore, uh, when I get in the room, uh, I am fixed on pushing open the aperture, uh, sometimes kicking in the door and making sure that I bring some other people with me. And so uh, I am a proud child of the South. Uh, I'll close by saying uh, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, before it was cool to be from the SWAT. <laughs> and um, uh, again, very, very proud of all of the above. So you can blame Outcast then for letting everybody know Atlanta was a place, uh, or I guess the entire Dungeon family. I know that's your your genre of music being from there. There you go. We uh, Goody Mob, Outcast, the Dungeon, all right up my alley. So you're preaching to the choir. Well, let's go. Let's go back a second. As I said in my intro, you've been in the executive search business for over 25 years. So you've seen a lot. As you mentioned, you're storming a different capital, so to speak. What has most surprised you? What what changes have most surprised you um, since you began your career in this industry? Yeah, I, I'm actually going to start with a lack of change statement. I'm disappointed there are not more diverse people in this industry as a whole. I um, I hate to admit it because my mother was a sociologist uh, to her core. Uh, I didn't pay attention as well in those classes in school, but so I don't have an assessment on why that is the case. But my, my easy answer is, uh, and I think the numbers kind of vet this out, is that we as a people are still around the dinner table, around the uh, dining room table saying to our children, go be a doctor, go be a lawyer, 
Uh, and this is just a space that is uh, is unknown. Uh, so to, to go off and be successful and make money. Number two, uh, as I said, I, I just thought there would have been more diversity across the board. Uh, what you begin to find, uh, and this will become clear as we talk further in this conversation, is that it really does take a an unabashed, concerted effort, concerted effort uh, to deliver change. Um, I am pleased to see that there aren't just the big firms, the big retained search firms uh, like where I started at Corn Ferry. We're seeing many more boutique, uh, specialized uh, organization, and that really allows for more diversity across the landscape. I also think that the advent of technology is an unreal game changer. Uh, On my first day of being an executive recruiter, They literally put a stack of printed resumes that was about four feet high on my desk and pushed the phone over to me and said, call everybody. Tech has really leveled the playing field. It's allowed all sorts of players to uh, spread their wings and be really impactful in and around the search business. And then finally, um, here at Diversa and the way that I operate is that um, we are about collectively long-term strategic partnerships that are meant to last a decade and beyond. Um, unlike that, that wasn't quite the way it was when I started. We, we really felt like we were in a do one search and walk away, but now we're building entire teams and we're really involved in the continuum of growth uh, for, for the companies that are just the disruptors of the day and tomorrow. Well, I guess one of the big differences you alluded to with the the, the, the change that technology has brought to every single business, not just search, but specifically for this, right? You can't afford to be transactional in your nature the way you could get away with before because everybody's going to talk about you online, right? And so if you're not Absolutely. relationship oriented and focused on your bigger reputation, the internet will take care of it for you. So there's, there's that aspect of it too. No doubt. But so what about just the last couple of years then? Any changes you've actually seen through COVID or well, should I say due to COVID that you uh, never thought would happen in the tech space? Yeah. What, the first thing that comes to mind is one that I'm extremely proud of is that I think that the people in and around this industry and tech and and financial services have shown a level of resilience that has been just and candidly, it gets me fired up. Um, I think that we all went into shock kind of in March of 20 when COVID, when we started to say, oh my gosh, we have to take this seriously. And it, it has been beautiful to watch all of us collectively figure out how to continue to move the needle forward and continue to do great work. So whether it's different clients of ours on the technology side, the VC firms and PE firms that that you know kind of are behind many of those businesses or our organization and organizations similar to us, it's been that resilience that I've really enjoyed. The second piece is um, you know, Zoom is the easy one to point at, but there are others like Slack and I mean I could probably go on and on, but this adoption into tech where we like collectively went all in um, have allowed for greater levels of productivity, uh, accountability away from the office, uh, and really have streamlined this industry across the board. Uh, I never thought there would be a time where candidates would go from identification through series of interviews to receiving an offer and have never met 
the executives who were looking to hire them in person. Uh, that that really has blown my mind. But COVID mandated it and people still needed to move forward. Um, I like that I'm seeing the tech industry as a whole look hard and long about how they acquire talent. So um, just before March of 2020, I'm using that as the tipping point of COVID. Um, we can identify easily 10 or 20 situations where uh, large technology companies under no circumstance would have pulled the trigger on an offer before you fly the person in. They were okay doing a few rounds of interviews via Zoom or video, uh, but now we're seeing an abundance of scenarios where you literally go from zero to 60 and the parties never end up in the same room. Uh, two more things. I think that you know tech is realizing that people are everything. Um, you know, Forbes once said, you know, kind of people, product and profit, but without people, the others don't matter. I think that what we get ourselves caught up in, whether we're investing or we're looking at the markets or we're wondering what an NFT is or trying to figure out crypto and blockchain is that we get caught up in the tech. Um, but it's the people. It's the people that are key to a company's success. And so to win the war, to, to become successful, you got to have material impact executives in your organization. And I think we're just finding ways to kind of get there. The final thing is, you know, it feels like just a short while ago that if you heard that a company was a unicorn, um, that was this rare thing. And now there are decacorns popping up everywhere. And I think that what COVID did in a weird way is that it just released the chains, it released the shackles, and people said, we just got to go. Um, and so that those are the things that I would say really have been surprising that I did not see, think I would see in and around the tech industry. Yeah, that, that, that pull forward has certainly uh, accelerated opportunities in some industries and completely crushed demand in others, right? Like if you, if you think about, like you just mentioned, you have very high level people and organizations who have been able to be hired virtually a hundred percent of the way, which means that they're not buying plane tickets and hotel rooms, right? So what does that do ultimately to shift the direction that the airline industry and hoteliers and everybody else has to go? Well, time will tell, but that's something I'm, I'm ultimately interested in, in seeing where we land, but you mentioned, uh, a little bit earlier on the firm diversa right in general and i believe inside of that is where the bigger inside of the bigger organization that's where your business unit that you lead uh specifically devoted to you know cultivating the next generation of black tech leaders you guys call that dreamscape right can you say a bit about that uh, uh separation or division specifically absolutely so Diversa Partners is a 25, 30 year old leading executive search firm in the tech space, a specialty firm that builds the executive teams for growth stage and venture backed companies. Uh, what we know is that the most successful companies achieve major breakthroughs by acquiring extraordinary talent. Um, and as I alluded to, there, there are really only three things that define a company's success, the people, the timing, the idea. But number one, the people accelerate the rest. That's what we know here at Diversa. Diversa is also an organization that is 100% biased towards action. 
which is why we work with companies that are entirely changing the world we live in for the better. We like to think that we're a different breed of headhunters at our core. We're thought leaders and strategic partners that understand that the companies conceived in the next decade will be different. And so whether it's relativity of space, meaning enabling space exploration and pushing the bombs of the frontier or Robin Hood, democratizing the economy, investing for all, we know that to make a difference, you must take action. Diversa Partners applies all resources to problems, and that's what led to Dreamscape. So basically, in 2020, when we all watched George Floyd's murder over and over and over, our CEO, Paul Diversa, um, who is the the son of, of, of immigrants, um, took it personally. Um, this was not a business reaction at its foundation. But what he came away with, and he candidly sat down and and got really serious about what can we do? We didn't want to just buy Black Lives Matter shirts. Uh, ultimately, we did not even put up a single statement on our website. We never changed a thing externally about what we were, except we said to our employees, if you want to be a part of protests and, and anything of the sort, go. You've got the time. Take it. But what we did was we looked internally and immediately Paul said, how can we leverage the Rolodex that we have, the relationships that we have to really make an impact around what's going on in the world? And so he literally walked into a staff meeting and said, we are going to launch a new business unit called Dreamscape. And what we're going to do is we're going to connect well-established members of startups and venture capital firms that are looking for executives or board directors with accomplished, proven, board-ready black talent, period. We're going to start at the tip of the spear. We are going to be unabashed. And if you look backwards in the history of the United States, um, many people have said, well, what about other components of diversity? What about Latinx? What about Asian? We do not deny that once we're in the room, we are here to help represent and bring along everybody. But if you look historically here in the United States, the civil rights movement happened because the black community was fed up. The women's suffrage movement happened because women were fed up. And what we recognized is that when you've got decent groups of people who are trying to make change, who get their foot in the crack of the door, if they're willing to push it open, if they're willing to leave it open, it affords us the opportunity to bring along someone else. Before you move to the next thing, because I think that was extremely heavy and you breezed past it, but I've heard you explain that I was doing research for this interview and I, I, I came across a few things that you've put out there into the into the ether. And I've heard you explain that, that your focus as the head of Dreamscape is solely on increasing the numbers of black tech professionals making it into the executive ranks, not black and brown, not people of color, not BIPOC, not DNI, not DEI or ESG or any of the other acronyms that don't quite call a thing a thing. Uh, and so my question to you in that long windup is why right. stick your neck out this way? Because I'm sure you get flack over being exclusive of other groups of people or not being inclusive of other groups of people or basically not being Gen, Gen Z enough for the world. So why even bother sticking your neck out this way? 
So uh, it does start with Paul Diversa. And I, you know, look, I, I certainly work for him. I work for the organization. But if you ever have the chance to meet him, he is unabashed. If, if we're going after something, he is all in. That's, that's kind of the starting point. Um, I shared in my opening when you were asking me to tell a little bit more about myself. You know, I'm, I'm a kid from the South. And um, while we saw many things all over our country for the last many, many decades, um, there were some very uh, clear and, and prevalent experiences that I had growing up that made me say, man, the only way that change happens is when you get really serious about one thing. You got to go all in on one thing. Um, and so we decided that we would function at the tip of the spear, period. We weren't going to back down. We weren't going to run away. And what we found um, in this bias towards action is that when we find partners, and, and let me be clear, we, we've had to say no to some of the largest and most amazing venture capital and private equity firms in the world because they wanted to play the game of show me a slate of diverse pictures and candidates and presentations, but we're still going to end up with someone who does not change the landscape of our organization. That's not what we're here for. We are here for outcomes, period. We want the solution to be black executives. Now, again, as I said, once we're in the room, we're opening the door for everybody because we also believe that companies don't actually change when you just put one black person on your board. They start to change when you put a black person on the board and you put somebody who is, you know, um, gay, lesbian, bi, trans, queer in the chief marketing role. And then you put somebody in engineering who is Latinx. Like that's where you start to see change. But if I could, whether it's bias towards action has taken us and the way we need to think about it is that we're looking to transform future generations. So we, um, as we came out of the gates with all of this, we placed Tasunda Brown, uh, Brown Duckett, who is the uh, CEO at TIAA Cref on the board of Brex, a fintech focused on kind of finance for everyone. We put Dara Trisetter. I'm sure with Jamie Dimon was happy when you guys stole her away from him, but I'll, well, <laughs> I'll let you. Uh... <laughs> well, we, we didn't make the move from Jamie to TIA. We just put her on the board. Okay. So we don't want Jamie, Jamie Diamond mad at us. But um, OK, but uh, but I think he was he knew all along he was getting her ready, ready for something bigger. Sure. Um, sure. We put Dara Trisetter on who is the chief marketing officer at Peloton on the board of yep. Robin Hood. We put Elisa Harvey Dawson, who is the general counsel at Gusto on the board of App Lovin. We walked into the doors of Vinrock and Greylock, and, and those were venture capital firms who believed in what we were saying, gave us a shot. And what they found was that uh, in one case, we increased their black executive exposure and hiring by over 71 percent year over year. Wow. And, in, and because that's not a network that they had access to. They didn't know how to get to yeah. them. And the, the black executives didn't know how to get to Vinrock. So. We've got these opportunities to just kind of connect all of those dots. Well, stay there for a second, because I, I read also that Dreamscape has backing from a number of high profile venture capital firms. And you mentioned Greylock, which is one of them. But why do you think VCs, you know, especially the more successful ones, would want to get involved 
in this way to put their resources behind something with the potential to be seen as polarizing or too disruptive if, if there's even such a thing in the tech industry. Yeah. You know, I can't I can't quite speak on behalf of Venrock as a whole or Greylock as a sure. whole. But what I can say is this. Um, we are finding organizations um, and there's a part of me that wishes we were having this conversation about 30 days from now because I'd be able to talk about some other things that are coming down the pipeline. But we're That's fine. Right. We'll have you back. I know where to find you. <laughs> Sounds fair. <laughs> I, and if you invite me, I will come back. I, um, but we're finding organizations who are looking at themselves in the mirror and then they're looking at the broad consumer or customer base that the portfolio companies that they own or have ownership in are serving. And they're saying the people who are pulling the money out of their pockets to buy what we produce are now getting a voice. The people that we want to hire are going and they are Googling. They are looking up who we are as an organization, not what our statement is around Black Lives Matter, not what our statement is around diversity. They want to go and look. You've heard me say being inclusive and intentional. Um, What we really are about, we are an I before D organization. We believe that inclusion comes before diversity. We think that if you are inclusive in the C-suite and around the board table, you've got a far greater chance to become diverse down and throughout the organization because people are looking and people are looking to find the answers that they seek. They want to look like the board that leads them in closing. What my grandfather used to say very often is that if you don't have a seat at the table, ultimately you're on the menu. And what we've decided is that we're going to put people around the table who make sure that people who look like them, who come from backgrounds like them and who have experiences like them don't end up as a part of the meal. So on that note, you've said that one of the ways to solve the diversity problem at the executive level and on boards more specifically is to not use the all too popular line that the tech industry has a pipeline problem, right? Or a scarcity problem is another one of the the, the mantras. And instead that we need to admit that there's an access problem. How are you guys helping to reframe this narrative? So let's talk about it in kind of the two ways that we are making impact. The first thing that we're doing uh, is we are focused on what we call venture network expansion. So we custom tailor network expansion programs that are meant to build stronger bridges between black talent and the venture capital ecosystem. Our mutual goal for this program is not necessarily to place executives onto our venture partners, boards and executive teams in the immediate term but rather to make sure that our partners have meaningful relationships that they can leverage as roles come up in the future. Most boards and executive teams are built through their existing networks of employees, investors, friends, family. But by closing the network gap at the venture level, we hope and we are seeing that this will help build a more diverse ecosystem. So if if we looked at who are those folks, you'd be amazed that there are C-suite, VP-level black executives at massive organizations here in the United States who have no clue and no access into these types of organizations. And so we are making those introductions. I'm glad to hear you say that because I get tired of seeing the announcements that 
one of the same 10 black people has now been made a board director at yet another high profile public company, as if there were no other impressive black executives to call for the opportunity. So I am glad to hear you say that, that you guys are literally bridging that gap yourselves with your own network, because that is one of the things that like is just extremely annoying to me as a person who actually pays attention to this. This And space. I'll tell you, when you talk to some of those black executives who are a part of the board musical chair uh, game, uh, they will even tell you that they're sick and tired of it. I, I think that the, here's the, the challenge, the blessing and the burden. What we've seen in the last year and a half is a 33% uptick in black executives on boards year over year. Wonderful progress. Here's a question. What next? What happens now? And so that's where we are. We're saying, okay, this is fantastic. We're glad that we've got new people sitting on boards, but we really need to be bringing along that next wave of talent, which leads me into board building, which is the second way that we partner. Um, in our world, a company's early stage board is mainly composed of investors, which means they tend to be predominantly non-diverse. As those company move, companies move closer to IPO or whatever liquidity event, they have to start thinking about building their board for scale and how they'll diversify their board leadership. We engage in very strategic and intentional board building processes with our clients to ensure that they are bringing game-changing talent to their teams, while at the same time accounting for black representation. So when I mentioned earlier that once we're in the room, we're looking to do multiple things, the best scenario is that we come in and we fill two board seats because then we can kind of mix and match the strengths and weaknesses of outstanding black executives who maybe haven't had those boardroom exposures uh, with another other diverse executive who might have had some exposure. So we're really looking to push the aperture in every shape, form and fashion once we get in the room. How do you guys actually choose the candidates to fill your pipeline? Like if I'm a would be candidate, is it by invite only or do I need to be nominated by someone of note or do I go online and self-select or how does the process actually work? So certainly not a uh, invite only club. Um, what we've been hard at work for two years building this network, which consists of at this point uh, over 3000 black executives. And it's not just about grabbing names and putting them on the list. It's about talking to people. So we can't talk to everybody. If we haven't gotten to you, we're coming uh, or you can come to us. But the tough misnomers of our industry um, are that every retained search firm. Um, let me say it differently. One of the misunderstandings is we are not in the business of finding jobs for people. We're in the market for finding people for jobs. And so, and so it's a, it's a slight nuance, but it's a catch 22 that we need to understand. It's it, it means we go into the market looking for hunting for the best talent available specific to the needs of our clients. And so the better answer overall is we are not an invitation only club. However, while we are serving a market and a set of people and a community, it is our responsibility to add value to our clients by delivering candidates who ensure that their organization will continue to be a growing, disruptive, game-changing organization. What that means for the people that we talk to, whether we go out and find you 
or whether people email me and LinkedIn me the moment we're off of this podcast is that we need to know you. Your time will come. But if we don't know you, that's one less poker in the fire that you have available. So it it certainly is one of those realities that you can't look at it as a sprint. You've got to look at it as a marathon. Uh, but we want to know all of you across the board. Well, to that end, as far as pipeline building is concerned, can you say a bit about what younger tech professionals on the way up can be doing to make themselves more attractive to executive search firms like yours so that they're getting tapped for these roles earlier on in their careers? Or is this one of those things where you have to just have some gray hair and a few decades worth of work history before you can be considered? And that's just that just is what it is. No, I, I think that the climate is changing uh, across the board. The boardrooms of the future will be more brown um, and, and other color. It's just going to happen. We won't be able to run from it. But what can young executives do? First of all, black professionals cannot run away from the tech industry. And I mean that in the broadest sense. If you haven't realized that technology is in and around everything that we do, you've you've missed it. Um, So first of all, we can't run away from it. We have to choose to run to it. If you find yourself in a tech org, it is your responsibility to step up and step out every chance you get. Um, I think that if if we all use those moments where it's our opportunity to spread our wings and show what we can bring, um, push the envelope a little bit. Uh, it would be a game changer. Uh, We also do not reserve the right, and I I want people to really hear me on this one. We do not reserve the right to talk about how we don't have the chance or the opportunity when we don't slay it when we do have the opportunity. I mean, that's just where we've got to be. We don't get to complain about it. Yes, other people get a pass. Yes, other people get opportunities that we don't. But when your shot comes, you got to be ready to go in with guns blazing. As it relates to outside of tech, we want to build the bridge and usher in the next generation of black tech professionals, period. So we think the other piece that we're working on, not we don't think, we know. As we're building these boards, we also are building some mentorship models that we're not ready to go public with. But uh, maybe, Malcolm, that's part of what we'll talk about later this year, because as we're putting, look, you didn't ask me this, but the issue with black professionals and boards is board readiness. We don't have a history of people to say, when you get on X board, here's what you do. If we can bridge that gap through mentorship, um, it starts to set up people who are just sitting in manager or direct role, director roles that once they reach VP levels and C-suite levels and they're ready for those board roles, they've been mentored along the way and they're ready to go. Well, hang on. Let's stay there for a second, because usually board experience is the prerequisite for opportunities to serve on boards. So if we take away that barrier, what do you recommend search committees are are focusing on when they're looking for quality candidates? So you just named what the problem is, is that (laughs) we are. You know, if board experience or CEO or CFO experience is the prerequisite, we know what that pool of talent looks like as a whole. And so we're fooling ourselves. What we are pushing to do and and, and the people that I named earlier who we've put on boards, they went in to solve specific issues that those organizations were having. 
Um, and, and so that's where we're going. If we hold on to yesterday's norms, we're missing the boat. How do you expect to be a disruptive company who changes tomorrow if you're not willing to do it yourself? Well, so I have one more question for you, and this actually has absolutely nothing to do with everything we just talked about. Take off your your Diversa hat for a second, your Dreamscape hat, okay, uh, and just you can relax your shoulders a little bit. So let's imagine for a moment that you never found your passion to bring black representation to the executive ranks in tech, which is very clearly a passion of yours. So you had to choose a different path completely, but money wasn't a factor in your decision at all. What do you think you'd be doing right now? I think it would be one of two things. I would either still be involved in figuring out how to level the playing field globally around health, wealth, and equity. Um, that's just kind of who I am. I don't know that I ever would have run from that. The second one, and this certainly pulls back the curtain a little bit. Um, I have three siblings. They all are in and around the entertainment world. Uh, and so my second thing would be, I would be a TikTok star with millions of followers, um, doing what Atlanta folks do, um, whatever that is, you know, uh, trap music, all of the above. That's where I would be if, uh, if nothing else mattered in the world. I appreciate you asking that question. I mean, I've gotten some very interesting answers to that question on this show. I've never had anybody say they were going to be a TikTok star. And then also doing what Atlanta folks do is so perfectly the right representation to explain what TikTok even is. If my mom was like, explain TikTok to me. I'd be like, basically, there's a bunch of people on there doing what Atlanta folks do. That That is the perfect answer to that that question. So no, Clint, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this. This has been an awesome interview. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and or Dreamscape after this goes live? Easiest thing is to email me. I'm at Clint, C-L-I-N-T dot Browning. That's Brown, I-N-G at diversapartners.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. And uh, once we connect, you'll have all my other uh, social media uh, kind of touch points. Uh, but I hope and expect to hear from as many people as want to reach out. Uh, I've been fortunate through the help of the folks at Diversa to be in the room. It's my responsibility to bring some responsibility to bring some folks with me. So that's what I would say. Careful what you wish for, man. We have a we have a pretty active audience. And so I'm, we'll we'll make sure your contact info is also in the show notes. So we'll make sure Clint's uh, contact info is in there, too, uh, so that you folks can can find him directly. So with that, uh, Eric, with an A, why don't you go ahead and take us home, sir? Clint and Malcolm, this has been a fantastic podcast. Thank you so much, Clint. Of course, thank you for being on the show. Malcolm, thank you so much for bringing him on the show. And our last thank you is for you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Tech Money Podcast with Malcolm Etheridge. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Malcolm comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We humbly ask that you share this podcast and leave a review as it'll help others find the show. You can connect with Malcolm on social at Malcolm on Money. We'd love to hear from you and answer any questions you have. And you can do so by emailing them to podcast at techmoney.com. And coincidentally, that email address podcast at techmoney.com is also where you can send in your TikTok dance suggestions to get Malcolm and Clint on a video, possibly in the future, or I'm just lying to you. And that's another good possibility. But I'd love to hear those suggestions. 
Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Tech Money, our hope is that this show helped make you a little smarter about your money. This has been the Tech Money Podcast. For more information on today's topic, to review the show notes, or to catch up on past episodes, be sure to check out malcolmetheridge.com slash podcast. And if you have an idea for a show topic that you'd like us to cover, or you want to send us feedback, the web address again is malcolmetheridge.com. You can also find Malcolm across all social media platforms at Malcolm on Money. This episode was written and created by Malcolm Etheridge, with the production, the editing and sound controls powered by Proudmouth. This has been a Malcolm on Money original. Thank you for listening. The information shared in this recording and by its guests represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not represent the views or opinions of the host. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not, nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. It is always recommended that you seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your personal financial situation. This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. Our team of certified public accountants and enrolled agents is well-versed in the latest tax laws, ensuring that you capitalize on every opportunity for strategic tax optimization. We anticipate changes and keep you up to date on opportunities to potentially reduce your tax bill in the future. With a focus on precision and strategic planning, we are your trusted partner both during tax season and throughout the year. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com.